Psalm 116. I love the Lord, for he heard my voice. He heard my cry for mercy. Because he turned his ear to me, I will call on him as long as I live. The cords of death entangled me. The anguish of the grave came upon me. I was overcome by trouble and sorrow. Then I called on the name of the Lord. O Lord, save me. The Lord is gracious and righteous. A God is full of compassion. The Lord protects the simple hearted. When I was in great need, he saved me. Be at rest once more, O my soul, for the Lord has been good to you. For you, O Lord, have delivered my soul from death, my eyes from tears, my feet from stumbling, that I may walk before the Lord in the land of the living. I believed, therefore I said, I'm greatly afflicted. And in my dismay I said, all men are liars. How can I repay the Lord for all his goodness to me? I will lift up the cup of salvation and call on the name of the Lord. I will fulfill my vows to the Lord in the presence of all his people. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. O Lord, truly, I am your servant. I am your servant, the son of your maidservant. You have freed me from my chains. I will sacrifice a thank offering to you and call on the name of the Lord. I will fulfill my vows to the Lord in the presence of all his people, in the courts of the house of the Lord, in your midst of Jerusalem. Praise the Lord. This is the Lord. Well, good morning, everyone. Welcome to another service from Philpot Church. Uh, I've realized that we now have people watching the service who weren't necessarily attending with us in person. And so maybe you don't know who all of us are. My name is Jesse. I'm the, the worship arts pastor here at Philpot. And I'm really excited to be able to share the Lord's word with you today. Uh, before I do that, I just want to say thank you to the Shannons for that video update about their work in the Democratic Republic of Congo. And certainly we all want to continue praying for them and for other missionaries. Uh, this is a crisis that we're going through, not just here in Canada, but all across the world. It's affecting people in, in different ways. So we want to continue praying for, uh, for the Shannons and for other missionaries as well. Um, I have to start off with some kind of heavy news today. Uh, many of you knew and loved Joan Coltis, and uh, she had been part of our congregation for, for many years an important part of our congregation for many years. And she was just diagnosed very recently with lung cancer and passed away yesterday. And uh, so we are sad to see her go. We, we all miss her greatly, even though we're happy that she is with the Lord. Um, Joan was, was a really, really neat person, a really special person. I said to her on more than one occasion, I want to be like her when I grow up. Uh, in her retirement, uh, she found a lot of different ways to, to serve other people, to help other people. And I think that came out of her deep faith in Jesus. Her love for Jesus led her to find ways to, to love and to serve other people. And so she served our church as part of the missions committee, and she was the missions treasurer. She uh, 
was part of the leadership for the New to Canada Ladies Cooking Group, where women from different countries would come together and, and cook and share meals. Um, she, she became a certified tax person. I'm not sure of the right term for what she did, but to help seniors and immigrants and refugees file their taxes each year, just as a way of serving people. And uh, anyway, she was a really special person, certainly an example worth following, an example of a life lived in service to the Lord. And so uh, we want to be thinking of, of her family and praying for them during, during this difficult time. Right now, at least as we're recording this, there is not a, a, a plan yet for a memorial service, but I'm sure that will be coming in the next few days. So let's pray before we start the message. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your goodness to us. Lord, we thank you for uh, people like Joan and the way that, that she lived out her faith, set an example for each of us, and was a blessing to so many. Lord, we also thank you for, for people like the Shannons who are serving you across the world, and Lord, we pray that, that you would protect them, keep them safe, help them in their work as they, they also work to serve, to serve others and to, to spread the name of Jesus. Lord, I pray for, for each person in our congregation, for each person who's watching this this morning. Lord, help us to, to hear your word to, today, to hear your word clearly to respond to you in faith and thanksgiving. Lord, help us to be a blessing to one another. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, today is the second Sunday after Easter. And every year around this time, I read the, the stories of Jesus appearing to people after the resurrection. And every year on Easter Sunday, I think what it must have been like to have been there on, on the day Jesus was raised. And this must have been the most exciting, most triumphant time in history, right? Uh, and I, I think that's partly true. But also, when you read these stories of, of what happened right after the resurrection of Jesus, uh, there's also a lot of, of doubt, of uncertainty, of confusion that comes through in these stories. People weren't sure exactly what had happened. They were debating with each other, arguing. There were rumors going around. And so it wasn't, at least right away, it wasn't quite as triumphant as people thought. And uh, that's, that's kind of an interesting thing to think about and to imagine what it must have been like to be uh, one of Jesus' followers, followers during those first days after Jesus was raised. So today, I want to tell you one of those stories. Now, this comes from Luke chapter 24, which is all about the resurrection of Jesus. And um, as, I, as I tell you this story, I want you to see if you can find yourself in this story in any way. If there's any, if there's any way in which this story uh, speaks to your own experience, speaks to your own life in some way. And I, for me, it really speaks to me. Uh, in, in a number of ways, and, and maybe you'll find the same. So the background for what's happening, as, before I start this story, 
you'll remember Palm Sunday. Uh, Jesus goes into Jerusalem riding on the back of, of a donkey, and people are shouting and cheering, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. They are hailing him as a king, as their Messiah, as the deliverer of Israel. It's this very victorious moment. But then just a few days later, Jesus is betrayed. He's arrested. He's tried and sentenced to death by crucifixion. And the Romans crucify him. Jesus dies. He gets buried. And then on the third day, uh, these women go to the tomb, and they find that it's empty and he's not there. They come back and they tell the other disciples the tomb is empty, and the other disciples aren't quite sure what to think of that. So these are confusing times, maybe. It's, it's a little bit, little, bit, little bit of a strange time. So that's what's happening leading up to where we're reading right now. And this is uh, Luke 24, verse 13. So that same day, two of Jesus' followers were on their way to a village called Emmaus which was about seven miles from Jerusalem. Together they were discussing everything that had taken place. And while they were discussing and arguing, Jesus himself came near and began to walk along with them. But they were prevented from recognizing him. Then Jesus asked them, what is this dispute that you're having with each other as you're walking? And they stopped walking and they looked discouraged. The one named Cleopas answered him, Are you the only visitor in Jerusalem who doesn't know the things that happened here in these days? And Jesus asks him this question. He says, What things? What are you talking about? Now, what do you think Jesus' expression was or his mood when he asked this question? What things are you talking about? What do you imagine Jesus looked like? Was he... Upset, curious, frustrated, happy. What do you think? What do you what do you imagine? And there's not a right or wrong answer to this because the text doesn't say. It just says he asks them this question. Maybe if you are sitting in your living room with somebody else, turn to them and just say what you think Jesus might have looked like or what his mood might have been during this time. I've gone gone a few different ways trying to imagine what this would have been like, but we know Jesus knew exactly what things they're talking about. They're talking about the events of the past week, about Jesus coming into Jerusalem triumphantly, being arrested, being killed, and then possibly being resurrected. The, the disciples are maybe arguing about whether or not he was really raised. And Jesus asks him, what things are you talking about? I kind of think Jesus was maybe holding back a bit, a bit of a smile. Maybe there was a twinkle in his eye when he asked this, because he knows exactly what they mean. He knows exactly what he's about to tell them. I imagine it's sort of like uh, if you were planning a surprise birthday party for somebody, and you run into that person an hour before the party, and they're looking kind of sad, and you ask, what's wrong? And they say, well... Everybody seems to have forgotten about my birthday. I thought there would be a party or something, and nobody's even brought it up. I'm kind of sad about that. And you then have to play like you don't know that it's their birthday. And you say, oh, no, is that today? Oh, I'm so sorry. I forgot all about it. Because you know in just an hour there's going to be a party, there will be celebration, and everybody's going to be pretty happy about the whole thing. Jesus knows when he asks this question, what things are you arguing about? 
that he's about to reveal himself to them. And uh, so I kind of think there, there was maybe a bit of a twinkle in Jesus' eye when he asks this question. But for these two followers that Jesus is talking to, there is nothing funny about this. This is totally serious. They're, they're talking about the execution of their friend, of their leader, of their Messiah. Like this is, this is an extremely painful experience that they're going through. So the, the two friends answer Jesus. We're talking about the things concerning Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet, powerful in action and speech before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and our leaders handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we were hoping that he was the one who was about to redeem Israel. And you can hear, you can hear the sadness in this. But they hoped he was the Messiah, and now they're thinking it can't be. Today, uh, we think of the cross as being, you know, the symbol of the Christian faith. But if you were a person living in Palestine in the first century, the cross was not a symbol of the Christian faith. It was a symbol of Roman occupation. It was the way that Rome dealt with people who were rebels or thieves or fugitive slaves or any, anybody who really posed any kind of a problem for the Roman Empire. It was just something that happened. And so for them to tell this story and say, this person that we thought was the Messiah, he turned out to be crucified. It just means that he was another one of the, the many that people thought could be a Messiah, could be some kind of a leader or a savior who was cut down by the Romans. And so there's a great sense of despair here. And you notice they don't call him their Messiah anymore. They said, we thought he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. But they just describe him as Jesus of Nazareth, a powerful prophet. That's pretty different from the ways that people were describing Jesus on Palm Sunday or the ways that people describe Jesus in, in other conversations in the Gospels, right? So they go on. They say, besides all this, it's the third day since these things happened. Moreover, some women from our group astounded us. They arrived early at the tomb. and When they didn't find his body, they came and reported that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and they found it just as the women had said, but they didn't see him. So now you can see what their argument is about. These two, these two people are walking along the road to Emmaus and they're arguing about what this could mean that they didn't see Jesus there. Jesus responds to them. He says, how foolish and slow you are to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Wasn't it necessary for the Messiah to suffer these things and enter into his glory? Then, beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted for them all the things concerning himself and all the scriptures. They came near the village where, he, where they were going, and he gave the impression that he was going farther. But they urged him, stay with us, because it's almost evening, and now the day is almost over. So he went in with them to stay with them. It was as he reclined at the table with them that he took the bread, blessed and broke it and gave it to them. Then their eyes were opened. They recognized him, but he disappeared from their sight. They said to each other, weren't our hearts burning within us 
while he was talking with us on the road and explaining the scriptures to us? I'm going to stop there. This is the word of the Lord. You might uh, read this story and have some questions. I have some questions. There's a bunch of things I don't understand in this story uh, and a lot of the resurrection stories. Like, why does Jesus come and go and appear and disappear to different people? And, and every time he, he shows up, he seems to be asking for food or, or eating something. It's kind of, kind of interesting. And then there's, uh, you know, why is it that Jesus shows up with these two friends and they, they can't recognize him? And then as soon as he reveals himself to them, he disappears. What's that about? And why was Jesus pretending to go on when, the, when the, the two friends invited him to come and stay with them, what if they hadn't invited him? Would he have kept going or would he have come back anyway? I don't know. There's, there's so many questions we could ask. But one thing I do see in this story is that Jesus walks with them. He walks with them when they've lost all hope. They don't even quite believe in him as the Messiah anymore. They aren't sure what to believe. And yet Jesus is there with them. That's an amazing thing. To me, this story speaks to the graciousness of Jesus. Right? These, uh, these two friends, you know, maybe don't, uh, they don't quite believe all the right things about Jesus, but he still chooses to be present with them. Uh, it speaks to, to the kindness of Jesus, that in their moment of doubt, in their moment of confusion, in the moment of conflict between these two believers or would-be believers, Jesus is there with them. There's this, uh, there's this old song by Jason Upton. He talks about uh, the two fools on the road to Emmaus. He says, they might as well be you and me. I don't know about you, but I find myself in this story a little bit and sometimes a lot. Feeling like I don't quite know what the Lord is up to. Uh, maybe sometimes feeling like I'm not sure about the right things to believe and then discovering that the Lord is there with me anyway. Maybe you have felt the same. In, uh, in Psalm 34, the psalmist writes that the Lord is close to the brokenhearted. And I think about these two, these two travelers on their way to Emmaus in their moment of intense grief, of feeling like they've followed the wrong, the wrong person, feeling maybe deeply disappointed with God or with themselves for believing the wrong things. And Jesus is right there with them. He walks with them. He says, what is this that you're talking about? course he already knows but he wants to hear from them their story their story of their grief and their pain the other thing though is that these these two travelers have really misunderstood so many things about Jesus about who he is what he has come to do right and and apparently these two are not part of the 12 disciples but they were part of the group of people who have been following Jesus around for some time listening to his teachings and all of this no doubt they had heard from Jesus about the kind of kingdom that he was bringing and how it was different from an earthly kingdom. And no doubt they had heard from Jesus about 
how the Messiah would have to suffer and die, but would be raised again. No doubt they had heard from Jesus about who he is, about how he's not just a powerful prophet, that he's somebody else entirely. They had heard all these things, and they either forgot, or when he was crucified, they chose not to believe anymore. And Jesus walks with them patiently and explains again, beginning with Moses through all of the prophets, all the scriptures concerning himself. That's, that's a pretty cool thing. Because sometimes you and I were kind of like these, these two fools on the road to Emmaus. Maybe we knew the right things about Jesus at some point, but when things get tough, maybe we don't quite believe all the right things for a moment. Or maybe we're not quite sure, and he's patient with them. He walks alongside them. He shows them again from all the scriptures. That's an amazing thing. Um, I guess what I really want you to hear from this story is that Jesus walks with you. And there may be times, it might be right now, it might be coming in the distant future, when whether you're a new Christian or a Christian who's been with the Lord for 50 years, there will be times when you go through a moment of difficulty in your faith or of doubt or of feeling distant from God in some way. What I want you to hear from this story and remember that the Lord is with you even in those moments, that he's gracious, that he's kind, that he's patient with you in the moments when, when you haven't got everything put together quite the right way. That's an amazing thing. That should be a deeply encouraging thing. I know it is for me. Uh, I'm going to invite Russell and Angela to come back and sing another song. Uh, As they're coming back, I want, to share, I want to share one more thing with you. It might be that you're listening to me right now and you're thinking, I'm not really sure quite what this guy's talking about. I'm not sure what it means to believe that the Lord is near or to believe that, that the Lord cares for me specifically. Um, if that's you, I want to say that maybe, maybe what you need to, to begin to discover that the Lord is with you is something like a leap into faith. Uh, there's a, a writer, Philip Yancey, who says that faith means believing in advance what only makes sense in reverse. And I think these two, these two travelers on the road to Emmaus would agree with that. Faith means believing in advance what only makes sense in reverse. One of the cool things about... Uh, doing the kind of work that I do is I get to hear so many of your stories of faith, stories of, of how people came to believe in Jesus in the first place. One thing that comes up in nearly all of those stories is that people can look back at a time when they didn't know who God was. They didn't know anything about Jesus. They didn't believe that if there was a God that he might care for them. And they look back and say, he was walking right beside me, and I never even recognized him. I didn't know it. If, uh, 
if you would like to know what that's like and you haven't had that experience yet, maybe what you need to do is just say, I believe, but I don't understand how that the Lord is walking with me, that he is gracious, that he cares for me. I believe that's true about you. Even if you haven't recognized him yet, I believe that you will. And even if that, even if that, uh, that prayer comes out of a moment of uncertainty or maybe a moment of difficulty or, or unbelief, I believe that Jesus is walking beside you asking, what are, what are these things you're talking about? And maybe there's a bit of a twinkle in his eye because he knows what comes next. Jesus says this, he says in Revelation 3, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. I believe that's true. Let me pray for you now before we sing this next song. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for these stories of of Jesus coming and walking with his friends, even when they weren't sure what to think, even when they didn't recognize that he was there with them. Lord, we thank you for these stories of how kind and gracious and patient you are with people like us. So Lord, help us to respond in faith. Help us to respond to to who you are and what you've done Lord, help us to open the door to discover Jesus who has been been walking near us this whole time. We pray these things in the name of our resurrected Messiah, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen to that. Thank God. He's working for our good and for his glory. God bless you, friends. It's been great to be together praying for you, and uh, go in peace. Amen.